Hi folks, my name is Mike Haynes. I am the founder of Global Acts of Unity. On the 10th of October, Hate Crime Awareness Week begins. And in line with this, we have a very special guest who has once lived a life of hate and has now turned his back on that hate to invite inclusion and diversity. Nigel, welcome. Would you be so kind as to give our listeners a brief outline of your life? Yeah, of course, Mike. Thank you. I actually got involved within the uh, far right at a really young age. I was only 15. And the reason I got involved was the fact that actually I hated terrorism. So when I was at school, somebody offered me a leaflet, which was anti-IRA. And in the 1980s, the IRA were prevalent all over. So that really was my open door to getting involved in the far right. But the organisation I joined was called Birmingham Against the IRA. So I actually didn't think it was far right at all. However, unfortunately, you know, after six months, I actually realised it was a front for National Front supporters. And that's how I got involved. And then from that then, I then spent nearly 20 years involved in various far right organisations. Now I understand that's part of the grooming process. At the time, I just thought they weren't giving me any pressure. And then eventually I went back. Three weeks later, got involved. And it just seemed like they were patriotic. You know, they were anti-terrorist. And there was no discussion about race at all. It was just about fighting terrorism. When did you first realise that this group that you joined was National Front? After about six months, I actually um, had a conversation with one of the gentlemen who had sort of recruited me, and he gave me a, an envelope. And if I'm honest, I just thought, you know, another bunch of leaflets and stickers to give out. But when I opened it up, a National Front membership card fell out. I was really shocked at the time because I had absolutely no inklings that this organisation was associated with them. And then they said, well... You know, we are a front organisation for National Front supporters. And they said it's much easier to recruit on a single issue than it is to recruit on a lot of issues. Yeah. And as somebody who was young, I was just really influenced by that, you know, the anti-terrorist sort of approach of it. And, you know, and I was brought up in a really left-wing household. You know, my mum and dad were staunch Labour supporters, they were trade unionists, shop stewards. My mum and dad would strike if the cup of tea wasn't warm enough. It was, <laughs> it was that million cents in my house. Um, so I was always brought up to say, you know, if you believe in something, then you should stand up for it. Yeah. And, you know, obviously their mum and dad were absolutely shocked by, you know, the fact that their son was embracing this hatred. I know the National Front are less publicly active now but for our listeners can you explain a little bit who the National Front are? Yeah of course um, I mean the National Front is a political party it's over 50 years old and you know it is heyday in the 1970s it was you know pulling in thousands and thousands of people at marches and getting thousands and thousands of votes um, it's still around today but obviously it's minuscule compared with what it was but it advocated things like uh, repatriation of people based on their ethnicity. It talked about being anti-communist and anti-left wing. And it was very much sort of, you know, an openly far-right organisation based on racism. Did it feel like a natural progression from what you believed your group was about to joining the, the National Front? 
or did it come as a complete surprise? It was a complete shock that the group was associated with the National Front. That really sort of took me back, if I'm honest. But what, yeah. you know, I can stand back and I can realise now what these individuals were doing. They were grooming me to take on these beliefs. And as somebody later who became a recruiter, I understand the techniques of what these people use. And it's yeah. all about making somebody feel valued, supporting the individual. And then all of a sudden then, you will convince somebody who doesn't believe in violence to then obviously not only sort of understand it, but then move on to advocating it and then get involved in it as well. From meeting victims of hate crimes, can you provide uh, an insight into the mental and emotional impact of these hate crimes? Yeah, I mean, I mean any hate crime is absolutely appalling and, you know, and my heart goes out to any victim who, who has suffered that regardless. And from somebody who has, you know, sort of witnessed hate crime, you know, has been in uh, locations where hate crime has taken place, you know, to witness that as well, we also understand that actually, you know, any hate crime not only hurts the victim, but it also hurts the perpetrator as well. And one of the things that we're trying to do is we're trying to use education and compassion to bring people away from that hate. We have to break that cycle. You know, one, one thing leads to another. It end, always ends up with a victim, and that victim can suffer, you know, horrific injuries or mental health issues, etc. But we've got to make sure that people don't get into a situation where they're going to commit those awful acts. And this is why we're trying to bring people out of the far right so people don't get hurt. The transition from the person that you were then to the person that you are now, when and how did you realise that a life of hatred was not for you? If I'm honest, it was a really, you know, it's quite a long process. It took about three years. It initially started with my wife at the time giving me an ultimatum. She said, it's either combat 18 or me make your decision. If I'm honest, there was a lot of swear words in the middle. But it was, it was very much about, you know, I'm sick of having our house attacked, I'm sick of being verbally abused, you know, I'm sick of the violence, etc. And however, because I felt I was a soldier fighting the war, you know, I decided, if I'm honest, you know, to stick with C18 and continue the fight and the battle which I thought I was in. That really was the first chink in my armour. And, you know, I always thought she was come back. You know, I used to do the typical man thing, give the flowers, the chocolates, the meal, really apologise, say it will never happen again. And if I'm honest, there was always a time period and we would reconnect. However, it was that hard at this time, she just walked away and, you know, that was it, never to be seen again. But as we went through, I started to think about other things. And the pinnacle moment for me, really, was an incident in Birmingham City Centre. And... We'd had a meeting in Birmingham City Centre on Corporation Street. And what happened was, after the meeting, there was X amount of members outside, probably about 15, and they were actually being racially abusive to a black gentleman outside. And when I came out after paying for the meeting room, I walked into this absolute chaos. And if I'm honest, I was being really cold-hearted. And I, you know, my first thought was, we can't get arrested for attacking this guy who had no idea what he'd done or what had been said. I just thought we need to get out of there because we don't get arrested. But as I walked over and I sort of, you know, dived in amongst this melee, I said, you know, what's going on? What are you doing to this guy? And he said, this young chap stepped forward and well, he's called me a Nazi. 
something, I'm going to teach him a lesson. However, at that time, I looked around and all I could hear was, you know, children and a woman crying. And, and basically, it was his wife and his kids in the bus stop. And that really sort of, you know, sort of broke my heart, if I'm honest. And I just thought, what am I doing here? What, what, why am I getting involved in a pointless racist attack? You know what I mean? This guy hadn't done anything at all, really. And I just I had to make a decision then and think, what am I going to do? So I stepped in between them and I said, to get to this guy, you've got to get through me. And, you know, that is really stupid when you've got, like, 15 C18 lads who are, who are basically, you know, they want blood at this time. However, it was the right thing to do. And, you know, I, I wouldn't change that for the world. So you set up Small Steps and Exit UK. Yeah. And you tell us about the work that you do. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so basically, Small Steps is an educational training company. And our whole aim is to train people about what the fluoride is and what signs to look out for. And also then, you know, how to have difficult conversations. And last year we trained over 10,000 people, which if I'm honest, is just a, you know, a drop in the sea, but it's definitely a good start. However, I realised there was lots of people involved within the far right who needed to just talk to people. So I networked with Exit Germany and Exit USA and decided to set up Exit UK as a non-profit organisation. And what we do now is we offer support and counselling to people who are both involved in the far right, but also as well their families. And the whole aim is to just convince people you know, that they, they can walk away from hatred and society will accept that positive change. You know, society, it's not about, they're not going to point fingers at you and call you a Nazi or racist forever. If you can positively show that you've changed your beliefs, and then most of the people get involved with, they all want to do something positive then. So when I left the far right, I got involved in community work and, you know, youth work with regard to young people via councils, because I just wanted to make up for the, the awful things I've done in the past. Yeah. And now via exit, we're helping people do exactly the same and, you know, use that, that passion that they've got for something, but in a positive way. And it can be anything from, you know, doing something with the Wildlife Trust to, you know, helping charities like the NSPCC, you know, just doing something positive because what they've been told is a lie. And what we've got to do is if somebody wants to protect children, then we find them the right avenue to do that. We take them away from extremism. And, you know, thankfully, you know, our process works. About 90% of the people we engage with now leave the far right and then never go back to it, which, you know, is an amazing success rate and something we're really proud of. Yeah, well done, sir. Well done. Thank you. So, for our listeners out there, if you are facing a life of hatred, if you want to get out of this, how do you, how do they get in touch with you? Where do they get information from you? Okay, well, the first thing is, you know, I want them to realise they're not on their own. Okay, the, you know, the people around you will try and convince you to stay no matter what. And sometimes it can be dangerous to speak to people in those groups. You know, my advice is don't talk to anybody within the group. Just simply reach out to us and it's exituk.org or they can call us direct on 0800 999 
1945 and then you will speak then to somebody who can actually you know will understand you because it's either a former at the end of the phone a parent who has had a loved one involved or a trained counsellor and we're all here to support you you know we're non-judgmental you know we've heard a lot of things as you can imagine we don't shock easily and also as well we're non-political you know what I mean? We take a non-political stance because we want to be open to everybody. And, you know, we haven't just helped people in the far right. We've helped people as well come out of some of the extreme left-wing organisations because at the moment there is nobody to help those individuals, but we'll help anybody who contacts us. So, you know, reach out. It's all in complete confidence and we'll do as much as we can to, to help you as an individual. Roger, would you be so kind as to give our listeners some final words, please? Final words of advice. Well, firstly, obviously, I'd like to thank you yourself. It's an amazing opportunity to come and speak to, to yourself who's doing, you know, amazing work. You know, this is all about partnership working. None of us are going to solve the issues on our own. This is about sort of reaching out and saying, you know what, you can do this, we can do that. And just everybody doing something really, really small. We've got to basically be the change that we want. This is about individuals and grassroots action. And, you know, we can create positive change, but we've got to have the confidence to do that. And, you know, the thing is, if we do help each other, and then we do think about the issues which are going on in this country, regardless from whatever political standpoint you come from, let's talk about it. Because, you know, together, we will basically be able to make the world better but it's going to take time, it's going to take money, and it's going to take investments. And it's just about those, you know, people who have resources which can help us to support organisations like ourselves, because, you know, we're at the, the front line of doing this difficult work. But all of us, you know, yourself, ourselves and others, we just need that help and support to do it. Agreed. Here, here. Nigel, you have been a wonderful guest on this podcast, and I thank you for your time. We've had a really pleasant discussion. Just to let our listeners know, in October, there is a BBC documentary coming out called In the Shadow of Terror. And by complete coincidence, both myself and Nigel have participated in this and uh, making our TV... Uh, first appearances, which we're quite nervous about. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel, it has been wonderful speaking to you. When I first started with Global Axe Unity, I thought I was one of very few voices who were calling for tolerance, unity between different faiths, between different cultures, different everything. And then part of the journey that I've been on is seeing that there are thousands of us out there who've all got our individual stories and who are all making a difference. This fight against extremism and all extremism is so important. And Nigel here is in the front line of that battle for the soul of our country. Nigel, thank you.